I think that there tends to be a lot of fresh ideas and energy. A lot of my a lot of my fellow Zillennials and my Gen Zers are fresh out of school and we're really excited to be here. And so I think we can blend that with the historical context and the institutional knowledge to make real positive change happen. Hi, everybody. It's Marcy Bullock, the host of Wolfpack Career Chats, and welcome back to season six, Fresh from the Pack. This season, we will explore the exhilarating yet challenging path that recent graduates face. Being a human is hard and change is hard, and you are not alone as you embrace the inevitable struggles of leaving your undergrad days behind and creating a life you love. Hi, Wolfpack Career Chats. Today, our guest is Emily Hoey. Hello, Emily. Hi, Marcy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, friend. We're sharing a wall, but we're recording on Zoom. So it's it's lovely. And all of our listeners are going to get to know you today. And I would love you to begin by starting off with who you were, who you are, and who you will be. All right. Sounds good. So to answer who I was... I am originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up in a suburb in the Midwest and went to school in Chicago, Illinois. And at that time, I identified as a major extrovert. I was a teacher. I have a background in elementary education. Um, I've always been a bit of a people pleaser. And now I am a member of the Career Development Center staff, a recent graduate of NC State's master's program in college counseling. I am a leader. I am a confidence queen. And I will be That's a wonderful question, Marcy. My future me is going to be someone who has a better balance of their extroversion and introversion, has better self-care practices, I know, as someone that is going to be dedicated to growing in in their competencies in both their personal and professional lives, and is a trusted teammate. I love that, Emily. It's so fun to hear you reflect on who you used to be and how you're evolving. And I can't wait to watch your journey. And we're so delighted you're one of the newest members of our team. But why I invited you on the podcast today is because we are from two different generations exciting because we both have different life experiences and come into the work world with a different set of things that we've had happen in our lives. And some of us have been on the planet longer than others. So I would love to hear your thoughts on being a zillennial, which I did not know what that meant. And so maybe you can tell our listeners. Sure. Thank you. Yes, we are from different generations. And I love that dynamic that we have in this office and how that even interacts outside of this office. So yes, I am what I define as a zillennial and I cannot take credit for that. I did not come up with that term. I'm sure I saw it on Instagram or TikTok at some point, but it's basically this micro generation that exists between millennials and Gen Z, both of which I'm sure most of your listeners are pretty familiar with. I was born in 1997, which uh, depending on who you ask falls into either of those generations. And um, the reason I identify as a zillennial is because I really feel like a lot of my influences come from both of these different generations. And I feel like a lot of my own characteristics kind of exist in this center of the Venn diagram between being a millennial and a member of Gen Z, aka the Zoomers. And what that looks like is not quite being a digital native. You know, I can remember a time before the internet, but not much. Didn't have much of the VHS experience but also wasn't super familiar with Zoom 
Zoom and social media and things like that, that have become so normalized now. And I see this being a real asset as I interact with people in different generations, because when you are a cusper like this, when you're sitting right on that edge, you can pull from a lot of different positive traits that exist between these two generations, such as being very activism focused, very value centered from my Gen Z side, but also the optimism and the, the high energy that I associate a lot more with my millennial side. Oh, that is really cool to hear you say a Zoomer, because of course I'm a boomer. So what a (laughs) contrast there. And I am assuming that means because the pandemic happened and the generation students all had to jump right on. Maybe they were in middle school or high school at that time. But most of the people listening to this probably identify as Generation Z, but we have faculty and we have family members and all kinds of different stakeholders. So as you combine those two together to say, okay, Generation Z and millennials, which is, I guess, officially what you are, what is it like to be in the workforce with people from all those different generations? Great question. This position that I'm in right now, working as the professional development coordinator in the Career Development Center, is my first real experience working with such a variety of different generations. And I am on the younger end here, where I can identify very strongly with my Gen Z folks. And I really wasn't aware so much of this zillennial status until I started working with so many different people. It does kind of come with a bit of that middle child syndrome of feeling like you exist in a few different worlds. Um, I feel a little bit more tech savvy than perhaps some of my co- some of my older colleagues. But at the same time, there's a lot that I'm still learning because I'm not that digital native. But I do know how to Google a lot of things. I'm pretty good with figuring out how to, how to solve something online. So it's really dynamic. I mean, we in our office, we have people that belong to the baby boomers generation, Gen X, uh, millennials, and Gen Z. And so existing kind of on that cusp allows me to get along with a lot of different people. But it certainly come with some challenges of learning different communication norms and how to bring up more of those positive traits and try to minimize more of those possible ne- possibly negative traits that can be associated with different generations. I love that. And the fact that you brought up that sometimes there are negative traits, would you say that some of the things are myths that you've heard or are they actually true, what we hear <laughs> in the media? Well, even I I subscribe to some myths or stereotypes can be rooted in some truth for sure. Uh, But the biggest myth is I think that different generations only have beef with each other, that they really just don't like each other. And nowhere is that truer, I think, than in our office where we have so many different generations collaborating to create innovative and positive results because we all serve the same population. So it is certainly a myth, for example, that baby boomers just will never understand Gen Z and that Gen Z should just hang it up and not even try to communicate with Gen Xers and so on and so forth. Um, I think where a lot of the progress comes from is when we have empathy and open-mindedness to understand where different people are coming from and that we have very different and personal experiences that have shaped the way that we communicate. Because even within, even between generations, there are so many intricacies of, of an individual's experience that is a part of that generation. For example, I'm not the only zillennial in our office. We have, I was counting this morning, four of us that were born in 1997. And even among those, we have, we even though we experience similar world events at the same time, there's so many different influences that will affect the way that we communicate and get along with each other. I agree with you. Okay, so for the purposes of our the rest of our conversation, I'm going to divide up the generations into 
oh, what would I say? The people that are younger, maybe under the age of 30, which could be those two generations and it could be a little mix there. And then maybe the people that have more life experience. So what would you say are some of the benefits of working differently with people that have been in the workforce a lot longer and people who are newer? Absolutely. Great question, Marcy. So as someone, so right now I'm 25. And so working with people who are older than me, who have more life experience than I do has been tremendously beneficial because working in higher education, a lot of what we benefit from is institutional knowledge and historical background and context. And you only get that from being around the block a few times and really understanding not only how the university works, but who to contact for different things and best practices when it comes to managing the politics. And I think that can be generalized beyond our office to higher education as a whole, and perhaps even just the workforce right now. Politics are everywhere and really leaning into the people who have been here, have more of that life experience will only help people like me that are new to the workforce and and are just getting started. And then on the flip side, when you asked about what the benefits are of working with those of us who are newer in the workforce might have a little bit less life experience. I think that there tends to be a lot of fresh ideas and energy. A lot of my, a lot of my fellow Zillennials and my Gen Zers are fresh out of school and we're really excited to be here. And so I think we can blend that with the historical context and the institutional knowledge to make real positive change happen. I agree with you. I see a lot of ageism where people might think, oh, well, you know, you are this age, so maybe you're jaded or you're washed up or you're this age and maybe you just don't know enough. And to me, that is discriminatory. So what would you say to a student that may be in their first internship that is thinking, oh my gosh, my boss is like old enough to be, you know, my grandparent. What would you say to them if they just don't think they can relate to them? Yeah, that's a great question. So to our younger folks out there that are that are perhaps running into some of that friction, working with people with more life experience, I think the best piece of advice there is to offer the same flexibility that you would expect from your employer. Gen Z in particular is really defined by being very flexibility seeking. We want that work from home status. We want the ability to not only choose where we work, but how we work and how we communicate. Um, but with that needs to come some grace that the way that your employer works is going to have something set in stone, perhaps set in stone, or they have some ideas about what it means to communicate and be in the workforce. And so in that same route of asking for flexibility, making sure that we are, I'm picturing kind of open hands here, like having an open-handed approach to offering that same flexibility back to your employer so that you can better understand the why behind the reasons that they that they do the things that they do so that there can be a lot more collaboration between generations. The collaboration sounds great. So as far as advice that you would give to people that maybe interacting with folks that just see the world differently than they do. It could be age or it could be just their background. Maybe they lived in a different part of the country or mm-hmm. they have a different set of values because they come from a higher socioeconomic or a lower socioeconomic status. What would you say to them about just their your advice to them? Yeah, be curious. Um, oftentimes when I'm talking with people about networking, the 
the phrase that I'll use is be interesting and be interested. And I think that that applies here too. We all want to show off how we are bright and shiny and the way that we do the things that we do. We know that we are interesting, but we have to be interested as well if we want to get anywhere as a team. Um, and so we showing that, that genuine curiosity and interest in other people's points of view and doing it without judgment too. Genuine curiosity is I want to know more about your story, not so that I can make a value judgment there, but so that I can better understand you. I like that, Emily. So could you give an example of maybe a time when you did that with the being curious without judgment? It sounds like such a great concept. What would be a way to put that into practice? Sure, absolutely. So when I first started here at the Career Development Center, I was in a different role working as a graduate student and my supervisor is from a different generation, very different upbringing than I had. We have different communication styles. And actually in our interview together, when it was just the two of us, we talked very openly about what that looked like and about our communication preferences and about our flexibility with that. And I really appreciated the way that they approached that um, as opposed to just saying, this is the way that things are done in this office. They were curious about what my level of comfort was with changing my own practices, how they could work better with me. And so um, it was the best supervisor relationship I've had to date because they really took the time to better understand both what I needed as a communicator and communicate what they needed as well as a supervisor. And that allowed us both to grow, I think, and kind of meet in the middle between our generations. That just sounds like being a genuine human, you know, treating people respectfully and caring about who they are. Have there been any challenges and you don't have to necessarily say it's from this particular office, but just in your life, maybe changing the names to protect the innocent? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. No generation is perfect. No employee is perfect either. And I have worked in places like being on the younger end of the current workforce. I've certainly felt kind of the brunt of that ageism um, as far as how it affects younger people. And I've had people make assumptions about, you know, what I know how to do, um, both in a benevolent way that they, they can assume that I know how to do everything when it comes to Google Drive. And uh, like I said, I'm really good at figuring out how to do it, but um, doesn't always come as naturally. But I've also had some negative assumptions about the things that I'm capable of doing because I'm younger. Um, that might not always be associated with technology, but might be about my presentation skills because I'm a young person. Um, I've had people assume that I don't have, since I don't yet have as much experience that they do, my experience must not be as valuable. And I think it's that's the direct inverse of that advice that I would give is the is the, on that end, um, people were not curious. They didn't show that interest in what I had to offer. And it kind of shut me down because uh, living on this, on this cusp too, as a zillennial, I think we're also defined by really loving creativity and innovation and opportunities for growth. And when those assumptions are made and those opportunities for development are squashed, our light goes out. We're not really interested in engaging anymore. And in all of those opportunities, I've ended up walking away from those positions because they haven't really, they haven't made me feel like I really belong in that space. And that makes sense because that wasn't a place where you felt comfortable. And I know looking back on some of these situations, let's, let's just say it was a place you wanted to stay, but it maybe was this one-off interaction What would you have done differently, let's say, if someone did prejudge you and assume that you might not understand all the traditions or the history of the organization or you know all the tech or 
I don't know, you even told me before that sometimes people prejudge you and think you're maybe not as smart as other people Uh just because you are a young woman. And that sometimes that can be an identity where people make assumptions. How would you tell someone to handle that? That's a tough one. There's a lot of intersectionality that that you're starting to bring up too. You know, there's generational differences. There's also um, my my racial status, my gender status. Um, clearly, age is there, national identity, and things like that. Um, so, how to best handle that? My go-to is always to have an open and honest conversation and seeing how you can set that up. I think most people pr- prefer to receive feedback in a private scheduled setting. And so setting that up and kind of taking that initiative, even if you are on the lower rung of the ladder and you're setting that up with your supervisor, your boss, um, taking that initiative, because we know at the end of the day that good communication is where positive results come from. However, not everyone is always going to feel comfortable doing that or honestly, psychologically safe to do that. And so finding other outlets too, such as um, beyond talking to your boss, like having allies in the workplace, I think is really important and even allies outside of the workplace to run this by. So you can kind of, I do this all the time with my friends too, of just like, I run it by them and I'm like, am I being a little, a little weird about this? Or and because I'm taking this kind of personally and by processing it out with somebody else, it can help me to develop a better case for when I do bring it into the workplace. And so ideally being able to have that awesome conversation that will lead to more positive results in the workplace with a supervisor. But if that doesn't feel like a good safe option, finding somewhere outside of there to process. And like I said, I just graduated from my counseling program. I'm a big big proponent of going to therapy and having a safe space to talk about these things. Um, But having somebody that will show that genuine curiosity and interest in you, knows you well enough to be able to validate, you know, or is this just, are we just having a bad day here and we're just taking things personally? Or is this something that needs to be brought up because it is affecting your safety in the workplace? That's a really great way to explain it because sometimes, like you said, it's just, I want to walk away. This is not where I want to be, but also sometimes it might be, oh, I'm going to go to my supervisor or talk to someone in HR because this is not appropriate. And it's not just me taking something personally. And so I love that you can trust your gut on that and make different decisions. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What about, um, this one is just kind of a vulnerable one, but we like to get a little juicy on the podcast. Have you ever made any mistakes that you look back and think, oh gosh, as a new professional, I wish I would have done this differently. I know I have made a million of them. No, Marcy, I've never made a mistake, (laughs) especially as a new professional. Um, I've made plenty of mistakes. I've been in this job for five months and I, and I've made plenty of mistakes here. Um, and all of them have been learning experiences. Um, we talk at, at, at NC state oftentimes about Gallup strengths and some of the language that we use about our strengths, which are good things are balconies and basements. And so balconies being those when your strength is at its best and you get to show it off and it's really making that positive difference and the basement where it, it might be kind of the reverse where it might get you into trouble. And I see the, particularly the millennial side of me as often a strength that it is, it is what inspires my optimism and how hard I work and how much I put myself out there. And I love signing up for as many things as possible. Um, and I and I had that ingrained, you know, because essentially being a zillennial too means I was raised by people who are a part of Gen X. And that was part of their work, work ethic and mentality is in order to do a good job, you need to push yourself. You need to get outside of your comfort zone and, and you know, work 50 hours. If they expect 40 hours, you should be working 50. 
And because I've had that so ingrained in my head and I'm proud of my work ethic, I have sometimes stepped outside of my lane as a new professional and taken on a little bit too much. And I am working still presently about kind of readjusting my expectations and acknowledging that while this is a strength that I'm really proud of, I'm hardworking. I take a lot of pride in my work. Um, it doesn't mean that I need to be not only stepping outside of my lane, but also stepping on other people's toes to get there. I know deep down that that's not how I want to be seen as a professional. And so I need to address the basement of that strength, which is that that can mean sometimes going a little too fast, a little too soon. And um, it turns taking initiative into taking the spotlight from other people or taking on something that is outside of my scope of practice. And so one way that I'm learning to, to balance that is by having an open, honest dialogue with my own supervisor about um, we're focusing on depth over breadth right now, that I have it ingrained in my head that in order to do a good job, you have to be involved in as many things as possible. When in fact, I'm learning now that I'm new in the workforce that the norms now are to be really good at your thing. And then you can move on to, to, to the next thing. I'm very guilty of the shiny object syndrome of uh, I have all these wonderful uh, all these wonderful projects under my belt. I need to focus on the next thing as opposed to refining what already exists. And so having a really great conversation with my supervisor yielded that idea of we're going to focus on depth and really zeroing in on my project areas, doing a good job there, and then having a more organic growth rather than trying to leap ahead and skip some steps. Thank you, Emily Hoey, for inspiring others and giving such an honest story. <laughs> Thank you, Marcy. Thank you.